to Digital Hospitality. I am your host, Sean Walchuff. This is a Cali BBQ Media production. Today, we are talking about scaling with systems. And if you've been listening to the podcast or if you're here for the first time, welcome. Uh, Digital hospitality is essentially our thesis. And that is that every business, no matter what business you are, you need to be digital. Um, It's never been more apparent than during coronavirus. We operate a barbecue restaurant. We are not open for dine-in. We never open for dine-in. We did everything online and... uh, brought on third parties that we didn't have before. um, And it's been more successful than anything we've done in 12 years running our business. Um, It's something we talk about to other restaurant operators, other bar owners, anything you can do right now to focus on the digital aspect, the e-commerce side of your business, the content creation side of your business, social media, search engine optimization. Those things are going to help you, not just now during coronavirus, but but really be leaders into the future. And our job every week is to find people that are doing the best in all different types of space, whether it's in digital media, digital marketing, whether it's in restaurants, whether it's in hospitality, um, whether they're thought leaders, book writers. And this week we have Ravi Abuvala, um, who came into my inbox and um, I would love to hear the story of how you did that. But first of all, um, welcome to the show. And for somebody as young as you are doing what you're doing, um, I'm, I'm honored. I'm honored that you came into my inbox. and I'm honored to have you on the show. Sean, absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for having me here. I think what you guys are doing over there is pretty awesome. Um, like I said in the emails, one of the most recent shows I listened to that I was like, this is pretty cool. And I decided to do the outreach for um, and very interesting. I did not know all the stats. You were just kind of dropped in about the the restaurant and, and the changes and, and how you guys are doing better now. Than, so that's something I'd love to dive into further uh, as we go into this. But absolutely stoked to be here and everyone that's lending us your ears for the next, you know, 30, 45 minutes. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Absolutely. And I think, you know, one of the things that impressed me with you and your email was Tim Ferriss is a huge influence on me for our work week. Um, I listened to his podcast. He's one of the inspirations why I started this podcast in 2017 um, with my my business partner at the time, uh, Derek Marceau. We were doing Behind the Smoke. It was more um, business of barbecue. Um, it grew to be something so much more because we realized that there's really a game, a game inside the game that's happening. There, there's commerce that's happening, but then there's people that understand that digital is a different playground. And there's different playgrounds within digital where all the opportunity is. And that's really where the gold rush is. And that's why people like you, I'm so excited to talk to because I know just from your content, how excited you are for the future. I know that COVID-19 has nothing to do with how you perceive the world because COVID-19 is nothing you can control. What you can control is digital, is scaling with systems. It's doing the things that you preach in your mastermind groups. It's the stuff that you talk about on your Instagram page, on your YouTube page, and you speak about um, prior to COVID-19. But I would love for you to tell our listeners, just give us a little bit about the law school dropout. You know, you didn't really drop out. You, you got into law school and you decided it wasn't for you. That resonates with me. I got rejected from all three law schools. Oh. <laughs> so I wasn't the top 10% like you were. I guess I was the bottom 10% that they didn't want. But nonetheless, law school wasn't my path. Uh, my path was more of a low and slow barbecue media path, which is what we're doing now. Uh, but yeah, give our listeners a little bit of insight to who you are and um, how you got to where you are. Yeah, I appreciate that. And and I think for both of us, it ended up probably being one of the best things that ever happened to us, right? I mean, I couldn't even imagine what it would be like otherwise. Yeah, so really quickly for everyone listening back home, yeah, the, the law school dropout is just great for marketing materials, to be honest with you. But um, the truth is, I did apply for law school. So whole life wanted to be a lawyer. That was the goal, you know, just because my parents had told me that was the right thing to do, because they wanted the best thing for me. And college, and after I graduated college, I'd worked for the governor of Florida for a little bit of time. I kind of started getting a taste of like maybe law and politics isn't for me. When I worked for the governor, I saw like his day-to-day lifestyle and I was like, you know what, whatever, I've already devoted, you know, 18 years of my life towards this pursuit. And so after you graduate college, for a lot of people that don't know, I know that Sean knows here, but you take what's known as a law school admission test, the LSAT. And it's like the two things that determine if you go to college are your GPA and your LSAT. And my GPA was really incredible because once again, I knew I was getting ready for law school. And so I needed a year off to really study for law school to get the highest uh, LSAT score possible. And about four days after I graduated from college, 
just had started the law school study. My dad was diagnosed with stage four lung cancer and he had, he was living in Atlanta. I went to Florida state. I was down there and he had nobody to take care of him. You know, you do chemo and radiation five days a week. And so I ended up packing up my bags, driving up to Atlanta, Georgia, moving in with him, which, you know, that's a whole nother sitcom as it is, right? Graduating college, moving back with your parents. And uh, for about a year, I was doing like five days a week going to chemo and radiation with him at the hospital. And then before I went to the chemo and radiation and after I went to chemo and radiation, I was doing like five to six hours of studying. I mean, it was absolutely brutal. It taught me a really great yeah. discipline, but long story short, uh, at the end of this year, you know, my dad goes into remission. Thank God. He's still, I'm actually flying out in two days to go see him in Savannah. Good. And uh, I kind of was like in this chemo unit and radiation unit with these younger people. I mean, these people are like 30 years old, right? And they had, they were diagnosed with cancer. And like, I saw some of them were like, had thought that they had so much more time on their hands and they really did. Right. So they were delaying, like, you know, the gratification and delaying chasing after their dreams. And I just had, that was like kind of it. That was a striking point for me. And then I read a, a killer book called the subtle art of not giving a fuck. And it was literally, that was like this, the, the spark. That was the catalyst. I remember I walked downstairs and I was like, look at, I've studied, I've prepared pretty much my entire life, right? I'm 24 at this time. Like I prepared my entire life for this test. So I'm going to take it but I do not plan on going to law school. And, you know, at the time he thought I was throwing everything away and uh, ended up taking the test. I got in the t uh, top 10% of test takers, like Sean said, and in, in my defense, you know, or in Sean's defense, technically speaking, I took a whole year off to study for it. So that's why I, I, I did as well, but <laughs> I'm not uh, the best test taker. Man. Yeah. <laughs> all right. That's all right. And, uh, and ended up just, I got into the schools of my dream and I had it all laid out in front of me, everything I wanted. And I just decided, you know what, this isn't for me. I got hit by, uh, actually a Ty Lopez ad about making money online. And I was like, you know what? Um, let me just give this a whirl. So dived into online business and uh, a lot of ups and a lot of downs, but kind of like Sean said, we've been very, very blessed. And I feel like, you know, obviously COVID was really hurtful for a lot of people, but I feel like this is like almost like my time to shine because we're helping people either in the brick and mortar transition online, or we're helping people online scale to multi seven figures while just maintaining a wild profit margin that you could never have if you have this in-person stuff. I'd love for you to talk about, um, systems and systems specifically, because from what I've learned, um, interviewing lots of different restaurant operators and people that own small businesses is one of the most difficult things to running a small business is getting out of your own way. And I know from the content that you've created is, you know, it's the systems that allow you to do that. And I'd love for you to talk more on the up on the upper level about the theory behind working on your business and not in your business. Yeah, excellent question. So ironically, a drop out of the like law school rat race, first thing I did was go get a waiting job because I had at this point, four years of college and then a year after that of not working, I'm like almost $15,000 in debt at this point, right? And I'm not going to law school. So I get a job in an Italian restaurant around the corner and you can imagine how my family thinks, right? I'm about to go to a top law school <laughs> in the nation and now I'm working at like serving breadsticks, right? You made it, you made yeah. it. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, that's how much faith I had in myself though. And um and I actually saw the business owners there. This is why, so everyone listening to this, my dad's been in restaurants, he's owned restaurants. My brother has two restaurants in the Panhandle of Florida right now. So we're a really restaurant-centered family um, and I really love restaurants. But one of the things with it is like, I was working alongside until 11 p.m., six days a week, with the business owner, right? And this guy's in his like late sixties, right? And he's working with me. And I'm thinking in my head, like, I, I don't want this to be me. I mean, uh, utmost respect to him, right? Cause he's doing what sure. he has to do Absolutely. in order to keep the doors open and take care of his family. But at the same time, I'm like, there has to be something better than this. And uh, so that was my first taste of like, not essentially having the business control you. And then I was just lucky enough in online business as it is, like when I kind of pivoted into it, you have to essentially have systems because like you can't just hustle your way into success in that instance, because like, you know, you're not next to the person, you're not delivering a good or, or service right there with them. Right. You can't talk and convince. It's just like either you deliver the result or you don't. And so that was when I really started dabbling in like the systems aspect of it. I think people think of systems, like I have to sit down and create all these systems and it's going to cost all this money and you maybe have to hire somebody for it. But in reality, if you look at it, it actually ends up saving you so much money. And I actually did, 
didn't have money to, to blow. Remember, I'm like $15,000 in debt. And we'll get into virtual assistants here in a little bit as well. But the beauty of it was that very early on, it allowed me to remove pretty much the fulfillment of a lot of the work that I was doing. So the actual delivery of our service, which I think is really important to kind of get your hands as a business owner off of. And that allows you to become what we like to call like the chief revenue officer in your company. And now you can be purely focused on creating new content, right? Uh, doing outbound lead generation, doing podcasts like this, or, you know, showing up in your local newspaper or doing online ads. And you're focused on kind of growing your business where most people are so focused on just fulfillment, they don't have any systems and the referral program is really strong, right? I think every small business owner in the United States will admit like, oh, I have a great referral program because all your time is spent in the back end uh, doing yeah. the fulfillment yourself. And I know a lot of people listening to this are probably thinking like, oh, but if I don't do it, it won't be done right. And I get that. And trust me, like I really do. I know Sean does as well. Yeah. But uh, arguably, arguably the people on our team are better at it than I am. And like, you know, I'm hiring people, Steve Jobs said you should hire people smarter than yourself. And so I'm hiring people that are better at it than I am than I could ever be. And so a lot of times you kind of got to, I hate to say this because it's going to hurt a lot of people, but you got to get out of your own damn way sometimes and just like, like let, let the system and the idea that you've developed, let somebody else kind of steer it. Uh, and then you're kind of on the top end of it. Yeah, we, uh, you know, I've, I've become friends with Jeff Fenster, who started uh, Everbowl, and he's been on the podcast, and he considers himself a serial entrepreneur that's focused on vertical integration. And, you know, I go to a lot of his different Everbowls, because I want to, first of all, I'm a huge fan of what he's doing, but I also, from a system standpoint, is somebody that's obsessed with Ray Kroc and what he did with McDonald's and how he built the, really the real estate empire that McDonald's is, which people don't realize. Uh, but he did that based off of scaling with systems. I mean, yep. it literally was, he was fanatical about the steps of the process and the time that it took to literally standardize the process of making a big yeah. The literal steps of the process, right? He's Correct. like actually like figuring out how many steps it takes to get from the fry to the, you know, to the grill. Literally hurt his early development team. They went to a tennis court and took chalk and drawed out every single piece of equipment in the restaurant so that they could figure out the steps that a cook would have to take to go from fries to the burger to the packaging. And like, unless you're fanatical about that. And like you said, that's a lot of upfront work. Mm -hmm. That's a lot of work that a business owner looks at and go, well, I don't want to do that for us in 12 years, having someone like my general manager, Eric, come in and have a fanatical approach to each part of the business, having a new system. And that's the toughest part. We're not a corporate restaurant that's built on, these are the systems, you know, go by this playbook. Literally every part of the business, we're building our own playbook and building a playbook while you're operating can be difficult, but sure. it's nothing, nothing is going to get you to the results that you want unless you actually take the time to do something like that. Yeah, I think that's so well said. And like what I'm like, so like I told you a second ago, I had a mastermind this past weekend with some of my high level students and I tell them, you know, I know there are a lot of people are going to be watching this or listening to this, excuse me. And so they're not going to see it, but there's almost like this bell curve a little bit, or not even a bell curve, but like this, this almost uh, compound interest curve. And when you're building this business, there's this point of inflection that you get to where it's like, in the beginning, yes, you're going to have to hustle and you're going to have to work like crazy hours and you're going to have to be building systems at the same time. So, yeah. you know, there's your health's probably going to suffer. Your relationship is probably going to suffer, right? There's like, there's no getting around that. There's no cheat code to that. Correct. But there is a certain point that if you are building systems that almost it just like starts like a plane starts to lift off the ground or you kind of hit that, that inflection point where now the systems start taking over a little bit more and then they get taken over a little bit more and then, it, and then you hit this like growth curve that's just astronomical. I mean, exponential growth as far as that's concerned. I mean, when I look at what we're doing now and where we were two uh, years ago, I mean, I was literally just writing in my journal this morning. I just paid taxes this year. And like, you know, I had a team meeting this morning. We had 18 people on the team. And then I paid the taxes that I, I paid for 2019. And I'm, I literally wrote down, I'm like, you told me I was doing this two years ago. I thought you were insane. Right. But it's because I, I, I hustled and hit created those systems at the same time, which I'm, like I said, it's not easy. I'm not saying that this is easy, but I am saying that the other option is that you're just hustling forever and you just never hit this like growth curve, this kind of exponential growth. And so every single person actually, so I know Michael Gerber, I don't know if you know the E-myth at, at all, but yeah, I, it, it's on my list. I've got a big, yeah. I've got a big, a running big book list. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. I so him and I have talked about it. Merchant, so yeah, I, I, I'm, that one's on my list for sure. 
Yeah. So him and I have talked about systems as well. And he's like, you know, he's millions of copies sold and he talks about it. And it's also, it's awesome hearing other people's ideas on systems. And, and like, I think it's cool what you guys did over there. Cause like you said, a lot of people that I'm sure are listening to this aren't the corporate like franchisee where it is like, right. you know, cause everyone that opens McDonald's has the blueprint already when they pretty much sign the franchise for, for McDonald's. And so there's pros and cons to that. But uh, I think it's really cool when you're your own business owner, you're starting from scratch, grassroots, whatever it is. And you kind of have to hustle and build the systems. Yourself. And then they develop over time right? Like yeah. our systems have totally changed from what they were a year ago as well. But the cool part is eventually you're so removed from the day-to-day operations that your time is pretty much just spent on the systems part, right? Just like well, building and optimizing the systems. It's fascinating that you say that because it's the first time that I ever th- even thought about it. But what we're talking about every week with digital hospitality is online and offline. We have an online world and an offline world. And the offline world, the business world, the world that we all know and the world that we're all fearful is going to change because of Corona virus. Those are the things that people know how to do business. They know how to do industry and they've built these things. And these is the proven playbook. The digital world has changed so much just in the last 12 years of us operating our small business that what we do on Facebook today is completely different than what we did in 2008, 2009, what we do on Twitter, the content that we create, the podcast that we do, the YouTube, like, but I didn't even realize it until literally we're having this conversation, but that is a different part of our digital side of our business that's allowing us to succeed during coronavirus. And it's exactly what you said. It's, I have to start systematizing because I'm not going to be able for us to scale, for us to open up five more restaurants in the next two years, which we're planning on doing for us to get to that point. I can't be the digital hospitality piece point of contact for all those different touch points. Because guess what? More platforms keep coming on. Nextdoor is now a legitimate platform that restaurants, local restaurants, local businesses should be on. You know, if I'm not there, I need to make sure that somebody, my virtual assistant, which we're going to get into, knows what the playbook is. Because what we say is that even though there's automation and I know people's fear of automation is that you lose the personalization, you lose the hospitality piece, but there is a way to create systems with that personalization and that hospitality that can set you apart from everybody else. I couldn't agree more. And the, and the automation fear is something we hear all the time at scaling assessments, right? We're, we're taking people that have no systems, no automation, right? They're, they're grinding every single day and we're removing them from most of their business. And there's all the fears, right? It's not yep. going to be the same product. It's not gonna be the same delivery. My clients are going to hate me. You know, it's going to be not personalized, et cetera, et cetera. And, and 99.9% of the time we pretty much blow all those worries out of the water, but you're right. There are certain pieces that you don't want to automate and, and you do want to take care of either yourself or have someone you really trust do it, but those are not the majority, right? That's not right. the majority of cases. The majority of things are probably pretty mundane. I mean, if you really sat down as a business owner, I mean, I, my brother has two restaurants in Florida. We've literally done this and sat down and written out his day-to-day operations inside of it. You yeah. really write out what it is. Like how much of that is really like you personalization other than maybe, you know, at the actual dinner itself, my brother will walk around and like, you know, speak to tables. I think that's incredible to do as a sure. business owner or a chef. I think that's awesome. But like if you've had a 12 or 13 hour workday before that, like by the time you even get to that personalization point where you're introducing, you're probably drained, man. And people can see it in your eyes. But imagine if like you're the business owner, the business doesn't own you and you've been working on the business all day and you're not drained. You're having so much more energy. I would argue that the automation allows you to have more personalization, right? He could sit all day and write personal handwritten cards to all these people because he has time in in the day now. So it's, it's just like this limiting belief and you've really identified it well, Sean. It's just like this limiting belief that you're getting rid of personalization where in reality, it can help you increase the amount of personalization that you're doing. Well, I mean, I think, you know, that it's fascinating. It's crazy because just, just last week I interviewed Brendan Kane who wrote 1 million followers. And, you know, I told him, um, and he, he's worked with Taylor Swift, Katie Couric. I mean, he has 1.5 million Facebook followers. He's already built a million Instagram followers. His book was phenomenal. Absolutely. A B testing, how he takes a hypothesis and literally the same, you know, Tim Ferriss method. I'm going to, I'm going to scientifically test this and we're going to find what works on social and what doesn't what I told him which was which was a perception that I had was that I thought it was a hack and I don't think hack isn't a bad word because hack is getting 
you know, I'm a huge fan of Alex Benayan's The Third Door, where he he brought, he, t- he talks about there's three ways into the club. There's the normal way where everyone's standing in line. Then there's the VIP line. And then there's the way that no one really wants to go. And that's down the alley, around the kitchen. You know, you know the security guard or you don't know him. You go crawl through the window. Like, that's the way that I like getting into places. <laughs> I don't like going where how everyone else gets in. But, like, that's the premise of his book. What we're talking about with the hack is something that I'm a huge fan of Gary Vee and David Meltzer talking about producing content long-term. Like this is a long-term race. We're a, we're a tortoise in this long-term race. Systems and scaling, there's always the fear from, from my standpoint, which I told Brendan was the fear that I have is the personalization and the hospitality piece. And I think once he started explaining and now talking to you, I'm starting to understand more that's that's just it's literally a light switch there's a light switch that can go on and off where you can start to understand like hey wait there's actually a way that i can get these things done the way that i want them the same way that i taught a hostess how i want them to greet a customer when they come into the restaurant how i want them to smile when they answer the telephone like that was a monumental task for us to do all those things in the last 12 years we did it but why can't we do that virtually Yep. 100%. I literally could not agree more with that statement. And on top of all of that as well, it's like, I mean, I've said it a second ago, but it's, it's just people are not, oh, so they're not aware that, well, first off, what you said about the social media and the content piece and all that is incredible. I think what it comes down to is building assets as a business owner. I think you need to be building assets, right? And there's liabilities and there's assets. And the way I see it is systems are an asset. They are a hundred percent an asset to your company, right? What happens if you get hit by a truck or God forbid you get COVID or you think you have COVID, you go to the hospital, you're down for a week, you're down for two weeks, you're down for four weeks. What happens to your business at that point? You're actually a liability because you have not written out the systems of your company. You are a liability at that point to your company. And my health insurance agent literally jokes around. He's like, no one needs health insurance until they need it. Right. And it's kind of the same thing with systems, right? You don't need, you listen to this and you listen to me going and then you're going to go, Oh yeah, this is cool. Yeah. It makes sense. You're going to go back to your day to day because you don't quote unquote have the time and then you're never going to make the systems. And then just heaven forbid anything happens to you, then your business is down, your business is going under. And so it's almost selfish a little bit, especially to the people that you're employing. Right. And this is where people like, I kind of do the shock and awe factor here, but it's almost a little selfish for you to not build systems for your company because now everything, every single thing in your company is bottlenecked by you. And you, if something ever happens to you, you're going down. And so the way we build our companies and we tell our clients to build our companies is by building assets. Systems are assets. I think long form content are assets as well, right? And not Facebook and Instagram, maybe not, but one of the biggest pushes we've been doing lately is on YouTube. YouTube and podcasts are huge for SEO and, and longer form content, right? YouTube is the only platform out there that the half-life increases at as uh, time goes on. So your, your videos, like my, you get more views, right? Instagram, it's gone within 24 hours. So you guys have to start taking your, and, and Sean's right. There's all these different platforms and I think it can be really overwhelming and I don't want everyone here to just go out and do 150 things, but you really should identify what are the biggest opportunities for growth and like, where can I really be building assets? And then finally, where am I a liability in this company? Whether it's my refusal to bring the company online, whether it's my refusal to build systems for this company or whether it's my refusal to look so far into the future because it's scary and I quote unquote, don't have the time for that. So convince me that a restaurant, single unit restaurant owner needs to hire a virtual assistant. Awesome question. I like that. I like that. I like that. So I'll send the invoice at the end of the show. Okay. But uh, (laughs) no, so it goes back to what I said earlier in the day, right? If you really break down uh, what your day-to-day is comprised of, and not everybody needs a virtual assistant. I mean, I would argue everybody does, but just to make some people happy, I'll say that not everybody has to have a virtual assistant. I I would argue that a married couple needs some virtual assistant. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think that everybody does. Just to outsource the things that couples Flowers, the, yeah. (laughs) Sorry to interrupt. No, no, I agree 100%. And uh, so what you need as a restaurant owner for virtual, single entity restaurant owner, what you need for virtual system for could be million different things, right? It could be on the side of calling and confirming reservations before they actually show up to your restaurant at nighttime, right? I know that was one thing that my brother had a big problem was, was no shows. And we have it in our, in our, our company as well. And every slot that that person doesn't show up, right? If you actually do the math on what your company, your, your restaurant can take for seating, how many uh, reservations that you have, and then how many reservations actually showed up, you'll get what is known as a no show rate. And if you do the math that you do $2,000 on a night, you have, you know, 200 seats, 
minutes, whatever that math adds up to each individual seat that's not open is costing you, you know, 10, 20, 30, 50, 70, 80, hundred, two hundred dollars Right. And when you start breaking it down like that, you're like, I need to increase this. And a simple phone call or text message, number one, confirming they're going to show up. And number two, adding that personalization aspect in it. Hey, I saw that you're coming for a birthday. It's, it's, you know, Sean's birthday. We're super excited to have you there. I just want to confirm you're going to be there for the reservation. Shoot them a text. Just say, yes, you know, show up to that. Even that alone can make you more money than you're going to pay that virtual assistant. Then you add in, uh, you know, inventory, making sure your inventory is stocked and on time. Obviously you have to have somebody in person that's going to do some of the in-person inventory, but what about ordering the inventory? What about managing the receipts, the bookkeeping side of it as well? Right. Uh, and then it can be other stuff such as trying to do PR for you. So doing outreach in order to, for your restaurant to be featured in different local influencer and bloggers, right? Imagine if you're in the San Diego area and you have your virtual assistant every single day, go on Instagram and type in hashtag, uh, you know, blogger or hashtag foodie or hashtag any one of these things that'll identify people that have larger Instagram uh, followings that, that kind of review foods, right? You go to the top nine following, you have your VA from your Instagram, like nine of their posts, and then they send them a message, hey, love your content, would love to have you over to a restaurant so you can feature and try some of the food on us. Uh, let me know what day works best. If you send that to 10 people every day, one person responds. That one person has 100,000 followers on Instagram, all that love food, all in the local San Diego area. One post could pack out your restaurant for a while, right? And so it's just like these little things Wait, that people- so You're telling me that a virtual assistant, which costs how much per month? Uh, about $400 a month. So instead of spending $400 a month, I could go buy a P go pay for a PR firm for five grand, seven and a half grand a month. You don't even want to get me started on PR firms. <laughs> I am not gonna, there's an awesome book on my bedside table called, uh, the trust me, I'm lying by Ryan holiday, which is really? about media manipulation. And you oh, don't even want to get me started on PR firms and how, and I, we don't have to go down this road, but I am going to tell everybody on no, this. Go on down this the road because it's, for me, it's fascinating. I think it's, I think it's fascinating because we live in a world where every business owner at some point they go, why aren't they talking about me? Why aren't they writing about me? Why aren't they interviewing me? Like I've worked my ass off. Like I've got this incredible product. I have this incredible service. Like why not me? Why do I see other content being created for other people? when you just told, you just, you just literally laid out how they can make it happen. Well, Sean, how did, how did I get on your kick-ass podcast? You, you contextualized your email and, you sent it down to and you sent it to me in a professional email. You told me all the information that I needed to know of who you are, what you've done, how you've accomplished it. And it's all verifiable because it's digital. Exactly. And on top of all that, on, so this is the thing. We are no longer in an era where you can build it and they will come. You, we are no, you could have the most incredible restaurant, the most right. incredible product or service in the world. And then you're all upset that nobody's coming to you and, and, and buying from you, right? That's no longer the case of what it may be. 20 years ago, 30 years ago, that was the case. But now in the fast paced world that we live in today, it literally, you have to go out and capture attention. And that's just the bottom line. And, and I've, and the reason we've done what we've have in two years is because I have been consistently either through lead generation or uh, PR outreach, kind of like what we're doing right here. I've consistently been getting my name out there every single time. There's, I was at a conference two years ago. There's a gentleman, I'm not going to mention his name, but he put up on, he's worth multiple nine figures, put up on the screen, um, his company's revenue, uh, essentially his revenue over the past 10 years. And then underneath that, that essentially graph, he put his Google search name results for the past 10 years. And it was literally identical for the amount of money he was making and the increase in his Google search results. So it was, it was like wild. How, and that was when it clicked to me that attention is everything. And you have to go out there and capture attention. And a lot of people here aren't doing it. They're waiting for attention to come to them. And so, yeah, this, the PR firms, all these things, I honestly think they're totally bogus because I've worked with PR firms. We've given them our virtual assistants to do exactly what I just told you right here. It's really not that hard. And in reality, in the world that we live in today, newspapers, back when there's newspapers, right? Before I was, you know, around doing this kind of stuff, newspapers were, you had an you end. Around, you were around when there were newspapers? Well, yeah, I mean, exactly, right? So <laughs> there's end-to-end -end newspapers. You had a beginning yeah. and the end, page one through page whatever, right? And that was, they had to fill it with enough content every single day, every single week for it to be interesting. Right. Then you had news, 24 hours. And it's a little bit more hard to create the content at that point. Now we're getting a little sloppy. Are we verifying stuff? Are we actually like, you know, are we going out and capture uh, stories? Not really. We don't have time for it. So now we're waiting for stories uh, to be sent to us. And then finally, you have the world that we live in today, which is this is online, vast, worldwide web, where there is absolutely no way one blogger or one 
uh, podcast person or one PR, whatever it is, Forbes, Fox News has enough content to fulfill the entire World Wide Web. So if you have an interesting story, you have a unique story, and it doesn't have to be that you've made millions of dollars. It could be that you're you've been in business for this long. It could be that you have the best of this you know type of food. It could be that you have the highest reviews. It could be that you have this one 80 year old lady that's eaten at your restaurant every single night for 20 years, right? It, anything. It's really any of these people. And if you can package yeah. it and send it to these people, like I just did for Sean and said, Hey, here's my story. And then I also said to Sean, here are possible talking points. So I'm like, hey, Sean, here's everything we can talk. And I, I'm sure Sean's looking at the email right now and going through some of the stuff that I put in the email. And so I've made it so easy for Sean. So why the heck would he not do it? Right. It's a, it's a value to his listeners. It's a value to me and it's a value to him. And that, that takes like 20 minutes to set that up one time, you give it to a virtual assistant, you never have to worry about it again. Well, part of it too, for me is what, you know, what I talk about, you know, a lot is, is the internet, oh shit moments. And those internet, oh shit moments is when you realize that anybody is reachable. Whatever your hopes are, whatever your dreams are, it's all, the answers are right in your pocket. I mean, that fucking tool that we have, that smartphone that's in our pocket, literally unlocks so many things for me personally, for our brand personally, and the people that listen to the podcast, I want to put people on this podcast that can help share that. And you, by sending that email is just the way that I've sent Gary Vee an email. I've sent, you know, you name it. I've sent it and I've gotten oh shit responses. I mean, we've had Lisa Ann on the podcast. We've had Landon Donovan on the podcast. Uh, David Meltzer's now, I'm, a, I'm, you know, he's my business coach. And there's been so many things, great things that have happened for me personally, us as a brand. And now the opportunities are so much more because of those networks, because of those personal relationships. And that's available no matter what business you're in, no matter what you're selling, no matter where you are, what village you're in. And the funny part about everything you just said was that, you know, you can use automation and personalization. We keep on going back to this, right? So we're using automation and delegation to start the conversation with someone because like, you know, that's how you pretty much do it. But then once the conversation has started, now you can have this real personal in-depth relationship with this person that could open up doors that you never even thought was possible. And just like Sean said, we've closed. I mean, we're working with some guys right now, you know, from Shark Tank. I'm working with one of the judges on Shark Tank right now uh, for scaling with systems. And that came from a cold email that I sent over to them to talk about being on his podcast. And it is unbelievable. Like Sean said that, what was used to be reserved for the celebrities of the celebrities, they only hung out together and they only had access together. You now can DM them on Instagram and get access to them. And let's say that, you know, 1% of them respond. Let's say you have this dream 100 and and they all have millions of followers and they totally change their lives. Well, if you send a hundred of them, you know, a message and one person responds, that's all you need. And exactly what we do is we send a hundred to our dream 100. One person responds, they take a leap on us. They take a risk on us because we really hit something they want to do. And then all we do is we go send a message back to the 99. Hey, check out this one guy. In case you didn't see, check out this one guy, you know, my interview with this one guy, my business deal with this one guy. And now these other guys are like, Oh, Oh, well he took a risk on me. He probably did the vetting. He, he probably knows that this guy's legitimate. I'm going to have him on my stuff now. And that's literally the snowball effect from all of this. And it can go as high up as you you know, going to the White House, uh, if you want to go that high, or it could be just be like having local newspapers, local bloggers, local influencers, local TV stations cover your restaurant. And the people that are watching this, it's going to fall into two categories. One person's going to be like, both of them, I think would argue that this makes sense, right? There's no people here that will doubt that. This no, if they're, if they're listening to the podcast, they already have the digital hospitality in their Exactly. Blood. So they know it makes sense. Sure. The question is, are you going to take action on it? And the reason why we love virtual assistants, Sean, is because if I was reliant on taking action on this every single day, I wouldn't do it, right? There's a million other things that come up. You, you do have issues. You got, I think... Gary Vee once said that as an entrepreneur, you're a professional firefighter. I would probably agree with that, right? All you're doing every day is putting out fires. And so like these things that are seemingly unimportant, but really important, um, and that you don't see the ROI on for weeks, months, maybe even years, they just get pushed to the wayside. But if you can have, make sure that no matter what these things are going on, all of a sudden you get, you get on a blog post and you don't even realize, you just wake up a day, one day and they're like, hey, you're on this blog post and you're like, I didn't even do anything. And then when you add in cost of currency, having a virtual assistant in the Philippines who you're paying $400 a month for, it's like, you know, I pay more for you know, my Chipotle bill every single month and I don't get an ROI from that. So 
it's just, it's crazy when you combine all of this together. It's almost at that point, it's just like, why not? Why would you not do it? Yeah. And I think, you know, you're a perfect person to talk to about how to get PR in the digital world. Because one of the things that I love is, you know, it's easy to dismiss old media and I, I call it legacy media, but really legacy media, they're the first influencers. Like literally the news desk, the writer, the editor of the paper, like these are the first influencers. And no matter what's happening to their business, they're still content creators and they're thought leaders. So they still need those relationships too. But then you go to the actual bloggers, podcasters, people that are building internet following, those are valuable too. So once you have this virtual assistant, you've identified what do you care about? What are your goals? What are your tips for, what are your tips for a creating the content and creating those relationships? But why is it important for the long term? Yeah, awesome question. So the cool part about it is that these local bloggers and influencers that you guys are going to start, they're, they're very ease of access, right? And I'll be honest with you. I know a lot of people that have hundreds of thousands of followers on online channels that don't make a dime. They make almost no money. Like the hardest thing is monetizing your, uh, your brand or your following. And the sales background. Exactly. Or, or you have to deal with rejection. A hundred percent of people are uncomfortable with that. And so what, what you'll notice a lot of time, even on podcasts, people have huge podcasts, unless you have some other kind of way that you're funneling people in here, right? I'm not saying scheming people, but if you actually have an incredible product or service, you should be leveraging it when you capture this audience because you're doing the hard work to capture their attention. They have no way of monetizing this brand and, and they're following. And so if you reach out and you're willing to pay them a few hundred dollars or even a free meal or even a free month of meals that cost you less than a few hundred dollars and they're able to post it. And even if like 10% of their 100,000 following comes into your place, which being 10,000 people over the next year. And if each person there spends $10, you guys can kind of see where there's an ROI involved in this kind of stuff here. So you're taking advantage of the fact that you know, there's too much content out there for anybody to be able to satisfy. So they're willing to pick up pretty much any story. Number one, number two, you're taking advantage of the point that nobody can really monetize their following. So if you're giving them opportunity to make a little bit of money or have some free meals or save some money, you're capitalizing on that. You're making them also feel like a celebrity. You're giving giving them something that they've built a platform, they've built a following. Now they actually get to capitalize on it. And now they're going to tell other people that I can do this for you. And then they're going to say, if they're good business owners, Hey, I partnered up with this restaurant. They got this amount of new customers. You want me to do this the same thing for you? Right. Right. And then the final part about it is what kind of what Sean just said, this legacy media, which I agree is still very powerful. Wall street journal, New York times, Fox news. I've been on Fox news before. And the truth of the matter is that you start small, you start by a local, local influencer. They, you know, then the a local blogger, they all follow local influencers for their news bites and where they're going to pull information from. So then now you have a local blogger that's picking up your piece of information and then guess where the news, the big guys, all, they all follow bloggers as well. And so now they're going to look at, and just through this like slow trickle, you went from a local influencer to a regional state or national news source, uh, because that's essentially how news travels. It's, it's kind of the grassroots format. It's not like, you know, every, just hits the national news immediately. If you think about even recently, these things that have sparked riots in the streets come from a camera that someone had locally there, right? So it's like that it starts always in the local area. And so you guys have the opportunity to leverage that in your business as well. So to answer Sean's question, exactly what I said, find local people in your area using, I think and for food restaurants, I think Instagram is probably going to be your best bet, either that or YouTube, but Instagram, you can get a lot faster results from. So I say you find the local using hashtags, find local people in your area that are promoting food or love food or have strong followings. You invite them in. Um, they come in there, they eat some of your food. You either pay them, they do it for free. I think you'd be surprised how many people would just do it for free. So like Sean said, they could be celebrities, right? I think people feel special whenever they do it as celebrities. And then uh, you'll see a little ROI on that. And then you're going to start taking that and you're going to, now you tie in the Instagram influencer and more money in your pocket. And now you make that even stronger. Now you start reaching out to bigger. There's another step there too, because the, the, the person that's coming in, that's an influencer that's taking photos or taking videos. The chances are they built their platform by taking great photos and great videos. Now you have content Content. for your own social. Yeah. You're going to use this. You're going to use this video and I'm going to use the exact same thing. We're going to take little clips. We're going to take little clips 
out of this as well of you saying that I got a better test score than you and I'm going to take that. <laughs> this, is true. this is true. I got rejected by all three law schools. I'm going to let them know that until I die. No, but it's true. Actually, Sean has a really awesome point there. And that's, that is that the content that these people produce are going to be absolutely killer and they're going to have great videos and great photos. And you're going to be, and also you're going to share it on their, uh, on your channels, which is going to give them more, you know, uh, more of a larger audience, which is all they care about anyway. But so they're creating this content for you. And then to finally, and, and, and before I take it another step further, it's if they're doing that, they're probably not getting paid much. If you like what they do, you can offer them work to fill out the rest of your menu that needs to go online. And that's the crazy part of what's happening here. And on top of that, I'll take it a step further than that and say that now they can write other pieces of content for you as well. Like, you know what I mean? Now they can write blog posts for you. They can, then they can find their other influencer friends that are all doing the same stuff and say, Hey, do you want to come over here? They're offering you have free meals for a month. If you come and you post their stuff, whatever it is. And then at some point, what happens is guys is that you'll like it, like the systems aspect, you'll reach this, you'll reach this point of inflection where you don't even really need the influencers anymore because now people are coming to you offering, uh, if you have a cool enough restaurant or a cool enough following and a cool enough social media, you don't need to offer people to share your stuff. They're just going to share it anyway, because right. it's like now if they think that you're going to share on your platform with 5,000, 10,000, 30,000, 50,000, hundred thousand followers, then they're just going to post on their story in hopes that you, they're going to, you're going to repost it on yours. Right. And it all started with you having being a nobody with no following and nothing really going on and just slowly starting and doing that outreach. And the cool part about it is while all this is happening and you get all excited and everything's happening, the ups and the downs, you still have someone that's doing the outbound messaging for you every single day, lining up these influencers. And that just compounds and compounds and compounds over time for over two and a half years since I hired my first virtual assistant, we have not gone one day where we have done outbound lead generation. And I really, truly, when people say, what is the secret of your success? I really, really, truly believe that is that we have not stopped lead generation in two and a half years. And whether it's podcast outreach, whether it is, um, you know, actual outbound lead generation to businesses itself to try to get on the phone with us, whether it's influencer outreach, it doesn't matter. The, all, the goal is the same is to capture more attention so we can make more sales. So with your scaling with systems program, you teach business owners how to hire a virtual assistant, assistant and the tools and the things basically that they don't even realize that they're doing on a daily basis. That's yeah, taking actually, them away from building their business. The funny thing is we originally had the idea of teaching them how to hire the virtual assistant, but I'll be honest with you guys. There, it's, hiring a virtual assistant is easier said than done. I mean, like, you know, hiring anybody is a confusing and a difficult process. And then you couple in the fact that they're all the way on the other side of the world and it gets a little more confusing. And so what we actually ended up doing very early on in scaling systems is I actually got a, an office in the Philippines 30,000 square foot office in the Philippines. And we do our own recruiting uh, for our clients. So we find uh, Filipino workers that are working at some of the large, you know, people go, I can't believe you're using or I'm like, okay, well, you know, I'm not going to say their names, but the wealthiest man in the entire world uses them. You know, the, the largest companies in the entire world, we well, pull them. Don't under, people don't understand economics either. They exactly. The currency. Yeah. My wife is from Bulgaria and oh, you know, perfect. Yeah. family in Bulgaria could live on what's equivalent of $200 US dollars for an entire week, if not a month. Yep. And, and same in the Philippines for uh, $400 a month. This is released by their government. $400 a month feeds a family of four over there. So right. you're paying one person that they get to work from home. They get to spend time. They work what's known as a graveyard shift there. So they work over the night, which is the U S daylight uh, daytime. And then, uh, during their daytime, they get to spend time with their family and their kids. But the point of it being is we actually, instead of having teaching our, our clients how to do it, we actually do a done for you service in that aspect is we find interview qualify and then train these VAs so that they can already come in knowing how to do the Instagram outreach, knowing how to do the Facebook outreach, knowing how to read systems, knowing how to help you build systems, uh, and having shown us that they're like a proven and reliable person. And then we offer a lifetime guarantee with those virtual assistants. So we like pretty, I didn't want people to worry about finding and hiring and training virtual assistants, because to be honest with you, uh, it can be a little bit of a confusing process. And that'll just be one more barrier to entry in order to get these systems on your company. But if you come in and we give you a virtual assistant within three days and and they already know 70% of the stuff. They just need to know specifically for what your business you want to do. And then you work with us uh, and we give you a course and we teach you what you should be doing. It's like, like you're, most of the time my testimonials are just like, I wish I had done this sooner or we have this set up in three days or it's just like so much easier that way. And I'm not selling myself here. I'm just saying that um, uh, don't, 
there's all, you can always pay to speed things up here. So like, don't let the, Oh, I, I don't have time to do it. There's a saying that my mentor used to say, you know, if you have a lot of time, you probably don't have a lot of money. If you have a lot of money, you probably don't have a lot of time. So if you fall in one of those two categories, you can either do it yourself or you can find someone else to do it for you. Well, I would love for you to talk um, a little bit more about why speaking on stages. I know during the coronavirus, that's not happening, but why was that a push for you personally um, and for your business? Yeah. So, um, and then also just about the personal branding, why personal, because what, what I struggle with is letting other business owners, I know business owners care about their brand. I know they care about their company, but getting them to get out of their own way and know that they are the heart, they are the brain they are an extension of the people that work for their company and they need to be more expressive digitally as thought leaders, also in person speaking on stages. Um, tell us more about personal branding and, and when you came to that revelation. Yeah, the great, great, great point. So I was like struggling with online business, even before virtual assistance. First six months, we had about $3,000 total sales in my business. So it was pretty bleak, honestly. And, uh, and it was mostly because once again, no one knew who I was. And I was in this weird stage of my life where I didn't want people to know I had started an online business because everyone still thought I was going to law school. And I didn't, <laughs> if, if the business failed, I didn't want everyone to know. And I didn't want to be you know, like, a digital footprint of you. Exactly. I, that's a well said. I literally didn't want anybody to be like, Oh, he tried to do online business and he failed. And that's why he went to law school. So I was like, realize that the, the, that, it's, that's how you do it. That's how, I mean, it was like, what happened was is literally aha moment is I was like, okay, it was six, it was uh, six months in, I had done $3,000 total. And I'll be honest with you guys. It was my cousin who was my client and they paid me (laughs) $3,000. I think he felt bad for me. I'll start somewhere. Shout out to you, Neil, if you're listening to this right now. And uh, I thought that I was like, you know what? This is it. I had one other client. I did a free trial for her. And I was like, you know what? This is it. I'm going to post this video testimonial on my page. Remember, this is like a year and a half after I graduated from college. No one even knew what the heck I was doing. What year? I didn't know. Huh? Give me a year. What year was this? Uh, this was so, uh, what is it? 2018. So this is t- mid 2018, October of 2018, okay. October okay. of 2018. And okay. I, what social platform was it posted? Facebook. It was okay. Facebook. That was my big, I had, I had a, you know, 800 followers on Instagram. Okay. Right now we have, I now I have 150,000, but I had 800 followers originally, right? To just show you guys how quickly you can do it if you invest in yourself. And I was like, you know, and it was all my friends and family. It wasn't like I had this like, you know, whole large social media followers. It was just my friends and family and people from college or whatever it is. And I said, you know what? This is it. If I don't get a client, but in the next 30 days, I'm going to go back to law school because your law school admission test score is good for really. Yeah. And so this was it. It was like the end. I was, I was in debt. I was going out and like going out to restaurants and bars and buying my friend's dinner, acting as the entrepreneur, but just going further and further. <laughs> in debt. Right. I mean, it was, it was unbelievable uh, the, the things I was doing. And, um, I said the next 30 days this is it. I remember I posted this testimonial online and I was like, you know, people hate on me. They're going to hate on me, whatever. And I go for a run, I come back home and that post that I did had hundreds of likes. Like, if you can go back, this is the cool thing about the digital yeah. footprint. You can go back to my Facebook page and look and you'll see this post. Hundreds of likes, um, so many comments, like 40, 50 comments. And then my, my inbox was just flooded with people like, Ravi, I didn't know you were doing lead generation. I didn't know you were doing online advertising. My mom, my sister, my cousin, my brother, I run a business. And, I would, and next thing I know, this is all in a video on my website. If you go to Scaling Systems, you can see my, you talk about my story. But next thing I know, uh, the next month we do seven $17,000 cash collected. The month after that, we do $24,000. A month after that, we do $33,000. And it started from this video that I posted. And that was when the first taste of personal branding really hit me. And I was like, wow, like these people aren't even really doing business with me because of my business. They're doing business with me because of me. And They're so doing then, business because of your heart and your vulnerability. Because I trusted, yeah, because they trust me, trust right? And people. I was coming out there and and look, you're going to have haters. I still, even yeah. the, the young lady I'm talking to right now used to make fun of me whenever I did, you know, they made it, they made an Instagram group. My home friends, my hometown friends made an Instagram group and I would do these motivational videos and then they would like mock my mock motivational you? videos right. and then send them to each other. Right. And like, that's tough. And I, I, I really do admit that that is difficult, but, um, if you kind of push through it because everyone is just in, they're insecure about their own status in life. Right. So if you kind of just push through it and you're able to build a following and just like Sean said, if you're really genuine and like, look in the beginning, the likes and the views, they're going to be abysmal. You're going to go live. And the only person live is going to be your mom. And she's only yeah. live because she can't figure out how to get off live. And <laughs> like, you know, like, Hey mom, good to see you again. Yeah. But I'll tell you what, 
once you really start scaling and just like I sent Sean that, that message, if he looked at my Instagram or he looked at my Facebook, he can see two years of content of me being essentially a nobody to, you know, I'm still relatively a nobody, but I, I have, I, I can back up everything that I've said because right. I have this digital foot, footprint for the past two years, which I think is so valuable. It's another asset to be like, look, I did this. Here's the proof. Look at the, me in the beginning. I was posting my Stripe, my, my merchant processor to where we are today. And so now when we launched a new product, when I went, for, I had an advertising agency and when we launched Scaling with Systems, we hit six figures in 30 days in my company. And the reason that we did it was because I had built up this whole huge following in this one company and it was on the advertising, but it was also on me as a brand. And then as soon as I went public with this new company, I didn't make the same mistake. I didn't wait six months to tell anybody I was doing it. As soon as I decided I was doing it, I told everybody that I was doing it and I posted it on all my channels and Wait, we did six isn't that crazy? Videos. Like the world that we live in, the more transparent you are as a business owner on the business development of your new brands, the more engaging because nobody brings you behind the scenes. And people can relate, right? And it's yeah. like, if he can do it, I can do it, right? Or yeah. she can do it, I can do it. And that's, and yeah, it's- and they, were there, they were there at that point in the journey. At one point, yeah, yeah. Oh, I get messages all the time. Ravi, I, I was- I remember. When you had like, you know, when you had 500 followers, when you had this many subscribers. And it's just so funny because like, and the other thing that we get all the time for everyone here is a little motivation as well. I probably get this message three times a week is, you know, or we'll sign someone into our program. It's like, Ravi, I've been following you for a year and a half. I've never liked, commented, or done any, sent you a message ever, but you've totally changed my life and I'm going to join your program. And yeah. so you also just don't know who you're affecting. And I think the numbers, you know, Instagram's thinking about getting away with likes. And like, I think that we get all tied up in subscribers and followers or whatever it is, but you should really aim. If you can make a video for 10 minutes a day and it can change someone's life, like, you know, obviously I, I would see that as worth it. And then you tie into the back end that you're monetizing it at some point right now because they're actually, yeah. now they trust you. Now they're coming to your restaurant. Now they're coming into your place. Uh, they're seeing you face to face. Now maybe they get a chance to be on an Instagram post of this following that you're building and uh, you kind of build a community behind it. So pros and cons to social media and all of that stuff. But I'd say if you can leverage it correctly, you know, we have a saying in my house, I was telling Sean, I live with three other entrepreneurs, all online business owners. We have a saying in our house, like, um, producers, not consumers, meaning that we, we put out the content, but we're not the ones aimlessly scrolling on Instagram and Facebook and YouTube, wondering if this will ever be our life. We're the ones that are producing content that other people are looking at. So like I challenge you guys, if you're saying that you don't have the time to build a personal brand, actually clock how much time that you're looking at other people's personal brands, clock how much time that you're on Instagram, you're on Facebook and you're on YouTube and try to start becoming a producer over consumer. Yeah. And what I would challenge people to do is if you are consuming content, like that's fine if that's how you learn, but consume content that compels you to action. Yeah. Consume content that actually makes you a better person, you know, a better person, a better business owner, somebody that's doing something and learning about these new systems that are literally getting built. There's no expert in Instagram. I don't care if you have a million followers. Yeah, there is none. Like, you know, Brendan Kane, he'll tell you, like, there's no person in any digital platform because each one of those platforms, they're changing, you know, they're changing and the algorithms change and the business changes. But what doesn't change is what has always been there. And that's storytelling, you know, storytelling has always been there. So what's your hook? What's your, the thing that you do best, learn how to communicate that effectively, give that gift to the world and learn how to distribute it. Learn yeah. I think, I think advertising and you, you nailed it on the head. It's like advertising, sales, marketing, content, like Instagram is a, is a tool. YouTube is a tool. Facebook is a tool, right? The advertising platforms of there are all tools, right? And so some, some of the algorithm, sometimes the algorithm is going to be in your favor. Sometimes the algorithm is not going to be in your favor. I was banned from a, a large advertising platform for the longest time, not because I did anything wrong, but just because of algorithm changes all the time, right? Like Tony Robbins is banned from a, a very large advertising platform as well. Not because I did anything wrong, but just because things change. And, um, the interesting part of all of that is like, if you are trying to figure out how to hack or master that one platform, then you're just going to be swept underneath whenever the algorithm changes. But yeah. if like Sean just said a second ago, you understand what marketing is and what advertising is and what personal branding is on a higher level. And you understand, you know, uh, kind of pulling back the curtain, showing the business to development, showing your personal development, right? Showing customers, showing customer success, showing your story, what makes you different. It doesn't matter what channel it's on. You can use it anywhere. You can do it on any kind of thing. You do it in direct mail. You'd probably most, still be most importantly, do it on your website, which you own. Yeah. And yeah. And then the final part of that is create the, 
content for your mobile first website, which you can actually drive sales and then repurpose it for all the social channels. Yeah. If you can, and that's so well said because I had this conversation with a gentleman that was actually, uh, I was turning my, I'm turning my car in, in in about seven days and he was checking my car to make sure there was nothing wrong with it. And I was, to be honest, I was kind of distracting him a little bit so that he didn't uh, find anything <laughs> in my car. And uh, he used to have a YouTube channel and he was making, he had a hundred thousand subscribers on it. It was him and his uh, ex-boyfriend and they had about a hundred thousand subscribers on it. And then they broke up and now he's restarting his YouTube channel and he, it's been like four months and he has 150 subs on it and he's starting from scratch. Yep. And I said, the lesson here, and this is for everybody listening to this as well, is like, yeah, if you're using these channels, YouTube, a million followers on Instagram, you don't own those. Instagram right. owns those people, right? right? A million subscribers on YouTube, you don't own those. YouTube. So the number one goal is just like what Sean said, it's going to get them back to your website, capture their email address yep. or pixel them on your website. And now if you launch a new channel, you launch a new product, you launch a new offer, whatever it is, you can instantly send that email blast out. You can instantly retarget those people that have hit your website uh, for dollars, for pennies, um, and you get traction immediately. But but you never know what's going to happen. So yeah, just, you know, you need to use the social media channels. You don't need the social channels to, to use you. That's, that's, that's great. That's a great way to put it. Um, so when is your next mastermind and how do people, um, get in touch with you? Yeah. So, uh, easiest way is, uh, if you guys, some of the concepts I was talking about here, like lead generation, where to find virtual assistants, um, online advertising, sales funnels, website creation. I have a free course. If you don't mind, Sean, I'll just drop in the, yeah. the link below. Yeah. So just go to www.scalingwithsystems.com forward slash gift um, or backslash gift. I don't know which one is it forward slash or backslash. Which one is the one that's on the website? We're going to, we're going to put on Cali media. We're going to have a full um, article right up. Okay. All of your links. Perfect. Uh, so you'll see it there, but yeah, you can do a uh, slash gift. I'll just say, cause I don't know if it's forward or backslash cause I'm not that savvy, but um, yeah. So, and that, that'll give you a free course that I've created that literally covers everything on advertising, virtual assistance, lead generation, et cetera, et cetera. And then uh, if you want to talk more about us, there's going to be an opportunity to uh, uh, book a time with us if you want to there follow me on any of the social media channels uh, at r-a-v-i-a-b-u-v-a-l-a at Ravi Bavala. send me a message if you got some value out of this and uh, yeah we're actually hosting you know it's supposed to be it was supposed to be in person but in the world that we live in today i think that like sean and i were just talking about before this is going to have to be a virtual summit which we're still super stoked for but it'll be in uh, in august august 19th and you'll get more information if you follow me on all those platform channels as well that's awesome. Have you ever closed a virtual assistant um, deal over a podcast? Uh, I have not ever closed a virtual assistant deal over yeah, a podcast. I'm, I'm, I'm signing you up to find me a virtual assistant. On really? Podcast. Oh, I'm, I'm going to report back um, on a weekly basis how um, you're, you're. I love that. That is epic. I absolutely like love that. it. Yeah, let's do that. We'll, we'll let everybody know that's everyone listening here. And Perfect. see, if I didn't have systems, I'd be worried that I wouldn't be able to live this for Sean. But I'm saying, yeah. Sean, let's freaking rock and well, roll. If there's anybody that can pimp other, per, other people's businesses, it's me. <laughs> Not an incredible product. Product. I'm going to be uh, shoving it down all my friends' throats and everybody that listens to this podcast. I mean, we're so grateful, you know, to have a business in Spring Valley of all places. I mean, you just moved to San Diego. I'm sure you've never been to Spring Valley. Most people in Spring Valley don't even stay in Spring Valley or know they're in Spring Valley. <laughs> um, but if it wasn't for the internet, if it wasn't for all the digital tools, digital gifts that we've had, we just have an incredible community. And, you know, we've got a team and we're, like I said, we're, we're in full build mode. We're going to expand. We're about to um, open up five more units. Um, here wow. in San Diego. Um, we're going to be doing more on our media side as well as the restaurant side. And um, there's never been a greater time to be in business. And for me, people that listen to this podcast, they reach out, you know, on Instagram to, to us directly at Cali Comfort BBQ. Um, I get emails and people all over the world. It's, it's an incredible time to be alive, to be able to connect with people that, you know, that resonate with you. I could not agree more. And I think it's awesome that... You know, you recognize that. And like, even in the world that we live in today, I think it's very easy because of the media in a lot of ways to kind of focus on the negativity that's going on out there. And I'm not ignorant. And I know that there's a lot going on, but I am saying that, you know, as far as what your direct influence uh, can have, uh, you know, it's not really that, that large. So you really should just be focusing on your local community, the people that trust you, people on your podcast, people that come into your restaurant, people that are ordering takeout. Um, you need to focus on delivering value to those people. And then just be grateful that you're alive. You have a roof over your head. Uh, you know, you're even still have the opportunity to maybe still be in business, right. Or that you have, 
have the opportunity to pursue still being a business while other people aren't, right? So if you're actually listening to this and you understand the value of online business and, and how it can totally transform your company. And also I'm going to say something that, like I said, I like to kind of to rock the boat a little bit, but COVID could arguably be the best thing to ever happen to you. If you, you know, now you've been hearing about the online thing, you've been thinking about doing the online thing, you've been thinking about doing the virtual assistant thing, but you know, if we're comfortable, we never change. And so this is something that's just been increasingly uncomfortable for a lot of people. And uh, we've had some of our best months because people are just like, I never wanted to change, but now I have to change. And so help me change. And so I would just challenge everyone here to kind of see the world and see everything that's happening right now as an absolute opportunity for you to capture market share and for you to essentially create a business while other people are spending most of their time worried. So, well, I, uh, can't tell you how fired out I am for my virtual assistant, uh, which means I get to continue to work with you. Um, you're here in San Diego, which means uh, I'm going to be seeing, you'll, you'll be seeing a lot more of me. <laughs> Hopefully uh, anybody that listens, you know, they connect with you on the mastermind. They check out the scaling with systems. Um, they follow your content because like I said, uh, you know, you're, you're doing incredible work. And for somebody as young as you are, um, you know, you've really, you know, I had Casey Adams on the podcast and he's nice. Yeah, I know Casey. Yeah. Eyes of the young. I mean, the fucking kid got at Casey as his Instagram handle, <laughs> an absolute all-star rock star hustler. And you know, you're, you're older than he is. Um, I'm 38. Um, I don't consider myself old by any means, but nonetheless, those are, you know, pretty much generational 10 year, 10 year gaps between, between us three, but we're all speaking the same language. We're, we're yep. talking about the game within the game and that, and that's the language that I want other people to start to understand, um, you know, other business owners, because that's where a lot of fun can happen. A lot of fun and a lot of opportunities. So, and it's cool because we're all translating it in our own way to our own type of kind of yeah. tribe and audience. And so I think it's so awesome. I mean, I've worked with people as young as 16 and I've, they've built multi seven figure companies. And we've also helped people literally out of retirement, 65, 70 years old, uh, start and scale their first online business. So it's just like, yeah, I don't think age has anything to do with it, but I think that uniquely people are drawn to like people. And so yeah. I think it's cool that you built this awesome little audience here. Uh, and I'm just grateful that you even gave me an opportunity to speak to them. Well, I appreciate that. And yeah. And, and if you think that you have to be young to do it, um, my grandfather, when he was writing his book, um, back when I helped him do it in 2003, I remember not only did he continue to go to writers conferences and seminars as a medical doctor, as someone that did real estate, but he was trying to learn how to write, how to tell his story. Um, he was looking at technology and he was trying to find, you know, a way that he could actually dictate his stories into a microphone and they would transcribe it for him. And turns out we have that technology to this Today. day. So no matter how you do it, whether it, whether it's written word, whether it's video, whether it's audio, the, port, the important thing is to do it, to get involved. Could not so, agree more. Thanks, thanks for have, uh, thanks for being on, man. We really appreciate it. And um, can't wait to uh, get that virtual assistant up and running. Yeah. Thank you so much, Sean. Thank you everybody that tuned into this today. I, I hope you guys got some value out of it. All right, my man. 